All right. Thank you so much. Good. Well, if we're going to make a trumpet, we got time to hold the fort, don't we? Amen. All right. I'm so glad you're here. Good to see you. How many of you brought your Bible? Will you hold up the Bible all over the building tonight? I want to ask you to join me now. We're all the way in the last book of the Bible, in the last chapter. So Revelation chapter 22. I have an old Schofield Bible. That's page 1,352. And uh, if you have an old Schofield Bible or just the last book in the Bible, chapter 22. I'd like to read three verses here in just a moment and then share the final message in this series that we've been in for the last little while. Revelation chapter 22. Hey, uh, don't forget Sunday. Our service is Sunday, 9 o'clock, and then a Sunday school, 10 for preaching, and then back again Sunday afternoon at 5.30. Hope you'll be much in prayer for the services then, and then do your best to bring somebody with you. Pray for your teacher. Pray for your teachers. They teach Sunday school. Pray for the bus workers. Pray for the choir. Pray for the preaching and all that's going on, let's ask the Lord to give us a good day on Sunday. i got to tell you this because it's on my heart, and I'm going to try it out on you all and see what you think about it. I heard about this man, and he was kind of down on his luck, and he heard, he heard that they were looking for a, a, uh, a janitor down at the First Baptist Church. So he goes down there and walks in, and the secretary greets him, and he says, Ma'am, I heard y'all need a janitor here at the First Baptist Church. I'd like, to, I'd like to see if I could get that job. She said, Yes, sir, we are looking for one. And she turned around, had an application, slid it to him, said, If you'll fill this out, bring it back, somebody will get in touch with you. He said, Oh, ma'am, I hate to tell you this, but he said, Ma'am, I can't read and write. She said, You can't read and write. Then you can't be the janitor here at the First Baptist Church. So he walked out the door, and he was kind of down, and he looked across the street, and there was a guy over there who had a wagon load of apples, and he was selling them for like a quarter apiece, and he fished around, found his final quarter, and went over and bought one of those apples. And then he got to thinking to himself, you know, maybe I could sell apples for a living. So he bought him just a little box of apples, went door to door, and, and, uh, and uh, sold all the apples, made a little money, went back, bought, bought a bucket of apples. Then he eventually wound up with a wagon load of apples himself. Then he got another wagon, and then first thing you know, the guy is a millionaire. He's saving all of his money. He walks in down to First National Bank with a big sack of money and slides it in there and says, Ma'am, this is a million dollars. I'd like to put this in the bank. She said, A million dollars. You want to put this in our bank? He said, Yes, ma'am. That's what I want to do. She said she had a form. She filled it out, slid it out to him said, If you'll just fill this out and sign it, uh, we'll take your money and put it in the bank. He said, Ma'am, I can't read nor write. She said, you can't read and write, and you're a millionaire? What would you be if you could read or write? He said, janitor down there at that First Baptist Church. <laughs> Shut up. You don't mean that. Shut up. <laughs> All right. Forget it then. I hate it when people try to patronize you. All right. Uh, let's read tonight. Revel well, let let's have prayer. We'll get started tonight, all right? Every time we reach the conclusion of these things, I feel like the Apostle Paul almost wants to say, finally, my brethren. And so, finally, my brethren, we're at the end of another series of sermons. Uh, it's a 20-week series of sermons that usually last about a year and a half. And so I'm glad you're here to hear it. Let's pray. Father, bless uh, the Word tonight and speak to our hearts, I pray, and help us out on this last message of this series. Thank you for these weeks that we've just moved through the Bible week after week. And I pray you'd bless this final message in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've been with us now for several months, then you may remember that we've been in a, in a series of sermons that I've entitled 20 C's, 20 C's to Understanding the Bible. 
And what I've attempted to do is to take the whole Bible. Now, of course, we know there are 66 books. There's 1,189 chapters, 31,102 verses, 78,788,000 plus words in our Bible. But I've attempted over these Wednesday nights to break the whole Bible down into only 20 words, all of which begin with the letter C. So let's do this now, since this is the final service in this series. Uh, help me with this, if you will, very quickly. We started way back, 20 weeks ago or 20-plus weeks ago. We started with the first C, which is the C of? Creation. If you don't ever get right on creation, you'll never be right on the rest of the Bible, the word creation. Then the second C word to understand the Bible is the word? Now we come to understand from Genesis 3 why we're in the mess that we're in because our forefather, Adam and Eve, sinned in the Garden of Eden and brought corruption into the world. So we have things like death and disease and disasters all because of the corruption, the sin of mankind, which leads then to the next sea, which is the sea of catastrophe. We understand that the corruption got so great and the earth became so wicked till God said it's time to start all over again and he wiped the whole entire world out and would have, our Bible would have ended with Genesis 6-7. Except for the words, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Thank God for grace. Aren't you glad you found grace in the eyes of the Lord? Catastrophe. The next C word is the C word of? Confusion. Then, of course, we know that uh, Noah and his family stepped off the ark and God gave them the charge to replenish the earth. And then the whole earth was of one mind and one accord and one language. So God, at a place called Babel, confounded the languages. Now we understand where the, where the cultures come from and the colors and the nationalities. And then we leave the word confusion and we go to the word choosing. God chose out of the whole human race, God chose the Hebrew race. The Hebrew race. Isn't it odd? Let's see, how is it? Isn't it odd that God? Isn't it odd that God would choose the Jew? Y'all didn't get my poem there, did you? Isn't it odd of God to choose the Jew? Well, I'd write that down. I thought that was very profound there when I thought about that. But God chose one race out of the whole human race to become his very own people. It started with Abraham, and of course we know that it climaxed or culminated in the nation of Israel. So choose it. The next word is confinement. Now we come, to 70 people moved into Egypt, and then of course they begin to multiply, and Pharaoh and his crowd got afraid of them, and they put them in bondage down there. 400 years they stayed in confinement, which leads to the next sea, which is what? So God rescued them out of that situation. After 400 years, and they began the process of moving through the wilderness, and that lasted 40 years. They were camping from place to place. Finally, they come to the, to the Jordan River, and they cross the Jordan River, and it leads us to the conquering, the conquering section of our Bible. Then, of course, we come to the, the crowning section of the Bible with the kings over the nation of Israel, which leads to the... The captivity, the northern and the southern kingdom went off into captivity. And we understand how all that happened because the rebellion of God's people. And they broke down the house of God, which leads to the next sea, which is construction. They have to go back after the 70 years in Babylon to begin the process of rebuilding the broken down house of God and the walls. Then we leave the Old Testament. We come to the New Testament. The first word is the word, aren't you glad for Jesus? 
Amen. The four Gospels give us a, a biography, the, histo the history of the life of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus. So we have Christ. After Christ, we have? Aren't you glad for the cross? Amen. Jesus died on the cross, died for your sins and for my sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day. Thank God for the cross. The cro After the cross comes the? The what? That's right. Forty days, Jesus called a cloud and went back to heaven. Ten days later, the Holy Spirit came. The Comforter came to the earth. Now the Holy Spirit's in the world, which leads us to the church. Aren't you glad for the church? Well, I'm so thankful Jesus gave his life for the church. And we talked a lot about the church. After the word church is the word, aren't you glad he's coming again? I'm so glad he's coming again. It isn't going to be long. The Lord is coming. After the coming is the calamity. Terrible time of tribulation upon the earth. We talked about that. And then after the calamity is the, the coronation. That was last week. We talked about the coronation. No, that wasn't last week. That was two weeks ago. And then last week, we talked about this, the condemnation. The time of the great white throne judgment, the condemnation. Now, the 20th sea. Are you ready? The 20th sea is the word celebration. Celebration. Now, we've covered the whole Bible in 20 words, all of which begin with the letter C. Now, look this way. And I'm going to give you... Well, let me read the verses here. Look at verse 3. Revelation 22, verse 3. And by the way, these last two chapters are just a brochure about heaven. Uh, they, I, I read these chapters... You know, it reminds me of a real estate magazine. You know, when you read through there, oh, move to this area, we got this amenity and that amenity and all of that. Aren't you glad we got two chapters in our Bible that kind of act like a real estate magazine and tell us all the amenities of this wonderful place called heaven. I'd like to read three, ver three verses. Look at verse 3. And there shall be no more curse. And all God's people right there should say, Amen. No more curse. I mean, if banana, pudding, if banana pudding takes as good as it does now with the curse on it, what in the world is it going to taste like after the curse is lifted off of it? If chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream is that good now with chocolate syrup, and if it's that good now, what's it going to taste like when the curse is off of it? There shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. Read that last phrase, verse number 3. And his servants shall serve him. Now read the first phrase of verse 4. And they shall see his face. Now I'll read it. And his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light. Now read this last phrase. And they shall reign forever and ever. Now those three things I had you to read are the three points to the message tonight, all right? We're talking about the time of celebration. Hey, what we're talking about for God's people is the eternity of eternities. Forever we're going to live in the presence of the Lord. Now, I've asked them, and I want to play on this for just a minute. I want to use this verse to get into what I want to talk about. But I want you to look at this verse right here, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. Now, stay with me because firstly, I'm going to read it wrong. And then secondly, I'm going to read it right. Let me read it wrong first. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that hate him. Now, I want to leave that right there 
Because can I tell you something? That's what the condemnation is all about. I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for them that reject Him. Now, we talked about that last week at the judgment of the great white throne. Great because of its power. White because of its purity. Throne because of its purpose. Friends, you talk about a time of horror and a time of terror. Steven Spielberg, Alfred Hitchcock, or any other thing that we've ever seen on TV cannot even, even, even begin to resemble the horror and the terror that God has prepared for them that reject His Son, Jesus Christ. It's going to be a time of great horror and a time of great terror because it hasn't even entered into the heart of man what's waiting on those that reject the Lord Jesus as their Savior. Now let me read it right. Let's read it right now. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God had prepared for them that, that love Him. Just as God has prepared fearful things for those who reject Him that hasn't even entered into the heart of man, aren't you glad that God has prepared wonderful things for people like you and for me, for those of us that have received His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ? Now we come to heaven, the time of celebration. You know, really in the Bible there are three heavens that are mentioned. There are not seven. I've heard people talk about, oh, the seventh heaven. But there's not seven heaven mentioned in the Bible, but there are three that are mentioned. There is the, the atmospheric heaven. That's the one we see by day. I'm talking about the blue skies and the birds fly and the planes fly in the, the atmospheric, heaven, atmospheric heaven. We see that one by day. And then at night, when we go out here in just a little bit, about 10.30, when I get through preaching, it's going to be dark outside. I'm kidding. But when it gets dark outside, then we see the second heaven or the astronomical heaven where the stars and the planets and the galaxies are. But then way up yonder somewhere, and it hurts me to say this, but I'm going to, up yonder north somewhere. <laughs> you almost think it'd be south somewhere, don't you? How many of y'all are southerners in here? But way up yonder in the north somewhere, there's an angelic heaven. The first one we see by day. The second one we see by night. And the third one we see only by faith. And God lives there, and one day, those of us that are saved, that will be the final destination of all of God's saved people. Now, really what we find in this celebration section of our Bible, what we find here, what we do, is we get a glimpse of what's waiting on us just ahead. Now, I'm kinda, I know we're going to be like the Queen of Sheba. When we get there, we're going to say, man, the half, the half has never been told. But I promise you this, what we have here in chapter 21 and 22 is enough to make me want to go there. Amen. Amen. It's going to be a wonderful place. Now, I want you to look in our text tonight. Let me tell you how it all starts, all right? I'll have three things to say, but here's how it all starts. First of all, it starts, I'm talking about the time of celebration, it starts with a disappearance. It starts, this is not in your notes, but it, it just this is my building up. It starts with a disappearance. Look back into chapter 21 and look at verse 1. The Bible said, the first earth, uh, the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. The Bible simply says that to start this great time of celebration, 
that the first heaven and the first earth, they're going to disappear. They are going to pass away. Some, somebody one time asked Mark Twain uh, about the world coming to an end, and here's what he said about it. Somebody said, what do you think about the world coming to the end? Mark Twain said, it'll be all right. We can live without it. And what he spoke in jest, you and I are going to find out to be true. It'll be all right. You know why? We can live without it. Because the Bible tells us someday the heavens and the earth are going to pass away. They're just going to disappear. In fact, Peter further describes that. Peter, over in his epistle, talked about the earth and the heaven passing away. And here's what he said about it. Look at this verse right here. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away. Notice this now with a great noise. The heavens are going to pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. What's going to happen? I'll tell you what's going to happen when it starts. I'm talking about the time of celebration. It's going to start with a disappearance. The earth and the heaven are going to be no more. Uh, if, uh, don't do this, but remember I read, well, read this part with me. In the which the heavens shall pass away with a, say those next two words with me, great noise. Let me tell you something. Scientists, scientists are continually talking about, at the beginning of creation, a big bang. Now, they're half right because there's going to be a big bang, but it's not at the beginning. It's going to be at the end. For the Bible said that the earth and the heaven are going to pass away with a great, a great noise. And then we're told that everything's going to be burned up. All the people on the earth, all that the people on the earth formerly lived for is going to be gone in a, in a puff of smoke. All the stocks and all the bonds and all the boats and the cars and the houses and the condos and the bank accounts and the land holdings are all going to be gone in a moment of time. It's going to be, you know what this earth is destined to do? Burn up. This earth that you and I are living on is going to burn up. Somebody once said this, before you get saved, the great question you've got to answer, heaven or hell? But after you get saved, the next question you've got to answer is this, heaven or earth? What are you living for? What am I living for? Well, if I'm living for the things on the earth, I'm going to tell you something, friend. Everything on this earth is destined to be destroyed. God is going to destroy everything that sin has touched. Amen. And I'm reminded of these verses right here over in 1 John chapter 2, verse number 15. The Bible said, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. He goes on to verse number 17 and says this. He says in verse number 17, he says, that's what he said right there, the same thing he said in verse 15. <laughs> love not the world. Then he said this, that if any man love the world, I think this is verse 17, the love of the Father is not in him. You know, we hear so much today about this, this, this environmentalist, tree-hugging, whale-loving, red-breasted, rested owl-loving crowd, and they say, boy, we need to love the earth. We need to save the earth. And they talk about going green, whatever that means. Go green. Go green. When I was growing up, we used to take our burnt motor oil and put it on the dirt road outside the house. You do that today, they'll put you in the electric chair. 
They tell us we've constantly, we've got to try to save this earth that we're living on. Can I tell you something? Anything that we're going to do on earth is nothing more than rearranging the deck furniture on the sinking Titanic because this world is going to be destroyed one of these days. Yeah, man. That's why I say we ought to get together on earth day and burn a tire. Because this world is destined to be destroyed. The same God who in His omnipotence and His, and His wisdom created the world is one day going to cremate the world. There's going to be a disappearance. But then look again at chapter 21, verse 1. Not only is there going to be a disappearance, but there's going to be an appearance. Look again at verse 1. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Now when we read this, a new heaven... In a new earth we're, earth, we're not talking about something that has been redecorated or refurbished. You know, we're constantly today, if you watch that, that building channel, my wife really loves that building channel, but they'll go in and take an old dilapidated house about ready to fall in, and they'll gut that thing, and they'll t clean it up, and in an hour's time, how do they do that in an hour? But in an hour's time, they've got a brand new house, refurbished, re redone, and I'll tell you what, what they bought for $20,000, they sell for $364,924.39. It's amazing. But when God gives us a new heaven and a new earth, it's not going to be something redone or refurbished. You know what it's going to be? It's going to be something that is unique, something that has been previously unknown to man, something that was previously non-existent. Jesus said in verse number 5 of chapter 22, I will make all things, in verse chapter 21, verse 5, I will make all things new. Think about this. I'm talking about this time of celebration. Think about this. Listen, there'll be a new heaven above, above us. There'll be a new earth beneath us. There'll be a new city around us. There'll be a new life within us. There'll be a new eternity before us, and there'll be a new body upon us. Yes, sir, it's going to be brand new. That's right. How many of you like to buy a brand new car? Brother Boyce, me and you is the only one that wants to buy it. You jumped a little early on that. Don't you like the smell? If they could bottle that smell and put that in Gertrude, Gertrude smells like a dog's been riding in it because that's what I ride in. Spilt stuff in it, ketchup stains everywhere. But, I mean, you get that new car. Boy, it's just brand new. It smells so good. But can you just imagine what the new heaven and the new earth is going to smell like. Then we're told that there's going to be some absent things from the new heaven and the new earth. What about this? There'll be no sickness there. There'll be no sorrow there. There'll be no separation there. There'll be no sin there. No, sir. You know why? Because the curse is going to be lifted. Look again now, chapter 22, verse number 3, and there shall be no more curse. We know that after Adam's sin... In the Garden of Eden, we know that God put a curse not only upon humanity, but He put a curse upon this earth. And Romans 8 reminds us that the whole earth is travailing and groaning from that day until now. Listen, listen. Do you hear that? That's my green beans growing, number one. And number two, that's the groaning and the travailing of this earth. God put a curse. That's why roses have thorns. That's why when you go out and pick your beans, you come back sometimes with a handful of briars. That's why when you're working in your garden 
you sweat like crazy. That's why, bless your heart, we have to follow our loved ones out and someday somebody will follow us out to the graveyard because there's a curse upon this earth. But though one of the things we read about that place, the curse is going to be removed. It's going to be a time of celebration. Three things. Get your prayer sheet out. Let's fill these in and we'll go to the house. All right? By the way, Jesus called it a house, didn't he? In my Father's house. Now, unless the rapture comes... I don't want to go to the house tonight. Do y'all? I don't want to die. Now, if the rapture comes, we go to the house, it's all right. But I don't want to die. If, you, if I die tonight and you have to walk by my, my dead carcass in two or three days from now, I'm just as surprised about it as you are. That's exactly right. But no one thing, if I do and when I do, I'm going to the house. In my Father's house are many mansions, Jesus said. Amen. Let's see three things about this, this celebration. First of all, look at verse number, uh, verse number four and, and put this down. Number one, we shall see the Lord. See the Lord. Look at verse number four. And they shall see his face. Now the truth of a truth is going to be wonderful in heaven to see those of our loved ones who have gone before us. You know, one of the things that many of us in this room have experienced is the, is the death of our loved ones. Many of us, and now I say us now, I used to couldn't say this, but many of us have followed our precious mamas and our precious daddies out to the, to the graveyard to say goodbye. Some of you, and I thank God I, I can't say this, but some of you have followed your precious spouse of many years out to the graveyard and said goodbye. Some of you have followed your brothers and your sisters to the graveyard, and sad, sad indeed, some of you have followed your own children out to a graveyard somewhere. But isn't it going to be wonderful when we see them again? I mean, as God's people, we have hope. We know that death for the child of God is not the end. We shall see them again. One of the things that comforts us in, in, a, in an hour of the dark hours of death is knowing that we shall meet again. But the greatest thing about heaven is not seeing our loved ones as wonderful as that's going to be. I can't wait to see my mama. She won't have no more struggles in her mind. I can't wait to see my daddy. He won't be hooked up to dialysis and, and taking all kind of medicine and, and uh, not getting around good anymore. They'll be fresh and young and new. I mean, in the vigor and the vitality of life. I look forward to seeing all that, but nothing can compare with getting to see the Lord Jesus himself. I've never seen him with my eyes. I've seen what he's done. What about that verse over in John chapter 3 where it talks about the wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell from whence it cometh, neither whither it goeth. We, 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 we can't see the wind, but we, we see what the wind does. I've never seen God, but I've seen what God does. Yes, sir. I've felt His presence in my spirit before. I've never, ever seen Him. But guess what? Some of these days, I'm going to see the Lord. 
Can you imagine that, getting to see Jesus? To thank Him for what He's done, for paying the price, for answering our prayers, for meeting our needs, for supplying His grace, for saving our loved ones, for watching over our families. It's going to be wonderful there. It's going to be a time of celebration. We sing that song around here, Won't It Be Wonderful There? One of the verses goes something like this, Walking and Talking with Christ, the supernal one. Won't it be wonderful there? Sure that forever the Lord will be keeping us. Won't it be wonderful there? Won't it be wonderful there? Having no burdens to bear, joyously singing with heart bells all ringing. Won't it be wonderful there? Oh, yeah, we're going to see the Lord. We shall see the Lord. Now, secondly, look again at verse number 3. Here's the second Another thing I had you to read, and that's this. And his servants shall serve him. So not only shall we see the Lord, but we shall serve the Lord. You say, preacher, what are we going to do throughout all of eternity? Well, there's really three answers to that question. If somebody said, what are we going to do when we get to heaven? Are we going to float around on marshmallow clouds and and eat, uh, eat cream cheese and pluck a heart throughout all of eternity? You know, some people think of heaven as being just this one long eternal nap session. And all we're going to do throughout all of eternity is, uh, is just sleep. But can I tell you something? That's not what the Bible said. Can I tell you three? I don't know everything we're going to do, but I do know from the Bible there are three things we're going to do. First of all, the Bible tells us this. We're going to be singing in heaven. Look at this verse right here. Revelation 5, verse 9, they sang, I'm sorry, they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain, hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people. You know what we're going to do when we get there? We're going to sing. Now, I don't do much singing down here. Sometimes I'm afraid they're going to cut this mic on while we're singing that last congregational. And I'm going to blast y'all out of here. I'm not a good singer. But when I get over there, look out. I'm going to have bravado when I sing. I'm going to be like the cowardly lion. I'm going to sing like this. Won't it be wonderful there? What about that? Y'all didn't know I had that in me, did you? I don't. We're going to be singing over there. What about you? There's going to be a time of singing. Number two, we're going to shout over there. Look at this verse right here. The Bible said this, I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude. Then it says this about that, and that's the voice of many waters and the voice of mighty fun. Sounds like we're going to lift our voice. What are we going to say? We're going to say this, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! For the Lord God omnipotent. That word, Hallelujah, that's the Greek version. Of it. You know that word is the same word no matter what language you speak? That's one of the few words that, the, that, that throughout every language is said the same way. I think God fixed it like that so that all the redeemed out of the ages when we get to heaven, we'll all know at least one word together. And we'll say, hallelujah, with a loud voice. It's going to be a time of singing. It's going to be a time of shouting. But it's also going to be a time, in verse number, five, uh, verse number four, it's going to be a time, uh, verse number three, a time of serving, a time of serving. We're going to serve God when we get to heaven. 
You say, preacher, I, I don't know about all that, serving God. Well, can I tell you something? Jesus has been in heaven for 2,000 years, more than 2,000 years. And can I just tell you, he ain't just up there twiddling his thumbs. He's been active for 2,000 plus years. He's been in heaven, but he's been very active in heaven. First of all, he's been presiding. Write that down. He's been presiding. You say, what's he presiding? I'll tell you what he's presiding over. He's seated at the right hand of God, and he's controlling all things. Don't you think for a minute that God has lost control of this world? He has it, friend. God is in charge of everything. He is in control, and everything is running right on schedule. Somebody said, Preacher, what in this world is this world coming to? I'll tell you what it's coming to. It's coming to Jesus. He's been presiding. Number two, watch this. Not only has he been presiding, but he's been pleading. For 2,000 years, he's been pleading. He sits there at the right hand of the Father, and he's making intercession for you and for me. What's that verse, Hebrews 7, 25? Wherefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost them that come to God by him, seeing, help me with it now, seeing that he ever liveth to do what? Make. He's pleading for us. 1 John 2, 1. The Bible said, My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. He's there pleading. He's presiding. He's pleading. And then guess what? He's preparing. What's he preparing? The house. Can you imagine what that's got to look like after 2,000 years of preparation? Now, if Jesus is over there and he's very active in heaven, don't you think for a minute that when you and I get there that we're not going to be active when we get over there? Wouldn't it be long? Wouldn't it be boring just to go up there and sit down? I mean, for all eternity to sit down? Wouldn't that be awful? I mean, we're going to serve God when we get there. You say, what are we going to do? I'm not sure all we're going to do. There are some people who say that when we get to heaven that we're going to we're going to serve God by helping him manage the universe. I don't know what we're going to do. All I know is the Bible said that his servants shall serve him. Boy, that's going to be a change from this walk. Can you imagine serving God without the devil and the flesh and the world hounding at you? You know, sometimes in our efforts to serve God, we sin in times of our service. Our old flesh gets in the way. We rise up, get a little bit proud, and then we've got the old limitations of this body and our bodies wear down and our bodies wear out. I'm talking about when we're trying to serve God, we get tired. My mind sometimes gets so tired. Sometimes when I've got to go preach somewhere, I get weary. My mind falters from time to time. I was preaching the other night. I got Jonah in the ark and I got Noah in the well. I mean, I was all messed up by the time that I got through preaching. My mind kind of gets tired and the weariness says, but I'm going to have a glorified body when I get over there. I'm never going to tire and I'll never get Jonah in the ark and Noah in the well. Not over there. You know why? I'll have a perfect body to serve God and the devil won't bother me then. He can't follow us where we're going and I sure don't want to follow him where he's going. He's going to Lake of Fire. I'm going to a mansion in the sky. What's the lost got to look forward to? A lake of fire. What we got to look forward to? A river of life. Yeah. We shall see the Lord. We shall serve the Lord. And I'm done. Number three, we shall sit with the Lord. Now I want you to look at the end of verse number five. The Bible simply says this, and they shall reign forever and forever. 
I'm not sure what we're going to reign over. But I do know this, when God saved us, what is a person who reigns? What can we say about anybody who reigns? Well, we've got to say that they're royalty because only royalty reigns. Well, the good news about it is in Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 5, the Bible said that God has made us kings and priests unto himself. Unto him, Revelation 1, 5, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. You're looking at royalty. I know you probably say, I ain't looking at much. Well, you're right. But when I get to where I'm going, I'm royalty. I'm looking at royalty tonight. Don't talk bad about me. I might have your head cut off before we leave this world. I'm royalty. You say, you ain't much. Not here, I'm not. But where I'm headed, because of what Jesus did, I'm royalty. And I'm going to reign with him. I close with this, but I was going, I was... It's been, it's been two or three years ago, but I had to fly somewhere to, to go preach, and I just normally drive, but I, I was flying. And in this time, you know, when you go through the airport now, you know, you've got to pass through security and all that, but then there's stores all the way down through the airport. There's magazine stores, bookstores, and stuff like that. And when you walk down through there, you know, there's these stores, Starbucks, Burger King, whatever, and I turned aside into this bookstore. I, and I don't know if he's right about everything, and it don't even matter, but I read his books, Bill O'Reilly. I've got every book, the killing books. You can tell what I like. I got all of his killing books. I love killing. But every one of those books about killing, I've got every one of them. And so I walked in there because there was a new one that he's come out with calling, uh, that's been called uh, Killing the S.S., and it's about all the Nazi war criminals and how they were brought to justice. And, and so I was looking for that book. While I was in there, I saw a magazine. It was $6.95. And it was one of those home magazines or whatever. But one of the articles caught my, 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 caught my eye, and so I picked it up and read it. And the title of the article was, How to Find the Perfect City. That was what the title of the article was. How do you find... The perfect city. And when I read the article, here's some of the stuff that it said. If you're looking for the perfect city, it said this. Consider the job opportunities in that city. Consider the cost of living. Consider the convenience of the stores and the restaurants. And then it said this. Check out the local chamber of commerce to obtain uh, various information that you're going to need. And then look at different magazines to find out where that city ranks as far as the best places to live. And then they finally said this. Visit that city. And I got to thinking about that. I'm going to tell everybody in this room tonight how to find the perfect city and save you $6.95 at the magazine rack. So here's how you find the perfect city. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. <laughs> Every one of us are going to head to it, are heading to a place that's saved. We're going to a place where we'll never have to lock the doors. Do it, do it. Set the alarm. We'll never have to be sick again or die again. There are no bills to pay. There's no funeral homes to follow loved ones to. It's just going to be one long, eternal day of celestial bliss. And if you want to go, you can, but you've got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Twenty C's, twenty C's. Now close your Bible, and we're done. All right? Shut your Bible, and we're done. Look this way. All right. Name all 20 right now. I'm kidding. Not even sure I could. 
There's got to be something about tithing. I can start with the letter C and make it 21 C's to understand in the Bible. Charity. Next Wednesday night, 21 C's to understand in the Bible. I'm kidding. Let's pray. Father.